Today on episode 18 of the Think Wildlife podcast, I interview Jill Perkins, who is the CEO of the Bumblebee Conservation Trust. Welcome, Jill. It's a pleasure to have you on. It's great to talk about Bumblebee Conservation Trust. Thank you. I'm I'm delighted to be here. Why was the Bumblebee Conservation Trust established? Well, back in 2005, uh, two very eminent scientists, Professor Dave Gawson and his PhD student, Ben Darville, they had been doing a lot of research on bumblebees and wild bees. And they found through their research that bumblebees were in severe decline. And it was due to that research, that science, that Professor Dave Goulson founded the Bumblebee Conservation Trust. Why are bumblebees so important for the ecosystem? That's such a really good question. And, you know, sometimes I go into schools and I see the children there and I say, what do you know about bees? And they only know two things. They sting and they make honey. And that connection between pollination creating our food has been completely lost so that bumblebees you know are really really important for that ecosystem of pollination it's set 80 percent i think of all the crops grown in the uk require pollination it's the you know when you you look out at your garden the flowers that are in there the colors that's down to pollination and the way our whole countryside looks so our wild bees are really, really important for that whole creation um, of, of uh, the way our food is produced and the way our countryside looks. How exactly do you identify bumblebee and how are bumblebees different from normal bees? Okay, so in this country, in the UK, we have three different types of bees. We've separated them into wild bees and uh, domesticated. So our wild bees are bumblebees, there's 24 species, solitary bees. Those are the ones that you often see nesting in the canes and the, bum, the bug houses. And those are, um, they, they're, they're what we call our wild bees. Domesticated bees are our honeybees. So honeybees are looked after by beekeepers. I, I, I don't want to be particularly um, down about honeybees, but they're not at risk of extinction. Neither are they in decline. Uh, they're looked after a little bit like livestock, like cattle and sheep. So they're they're farmed and looked after. So there's a big difference between a honeybee, which is all one species, and it uh, all looks the same, quite slim, brownish in colour, short tongue. Bumblebees, of about 24 species, each has different colour patterns on their fur, and each has may have different length tongues. And the way we start to identify bumblebees is looking at the colour of their bottoms. So if they've got white fur or a red bottom or something like that, then we look at the amount of stripes they have or the colour markings is really how we start to identify a bumblebee. But everybody recognises those big, fat, furry, flying, buzzing creatures. They're very, very iconic. The rarest species of bumblebee found in the UK? Well, we've got two really rare species that are on the edge of extinction. One is called the shrill carder bee, and that's found in southern England in a few populations uh, over Kent and the Thames Estuary, Somerset, uh, New, um, Newport in Gwent, and over in Carmarthenshire. So we've, we've got 
patches, population patches of the shrill carder. In the, right up in the north of Scotland, Caithness and Sutherland, we have the great yellow bumblebee, which is like a huge, great yellow flying ping pong ball. It's an amazing bee. Uh, and those two are our rarest bees. And what is the reason behind the line in bumblebee populations in the UK? Mostly it's habitat loss. So after the Second World War, we lost 97% of our wildflower meadows. And that's what bumblebees need to feed on. They need flowers to feed on. Um, so that was the start of the, the declines. There's a whole suite of reasons why bumblebees have declined. That's the major one. Agriculture has become more intensive. And we had the introduction of pesticides and insecticides in the 1990s. And to me, that's always a little bit like bayonetting the wound. The wound was already made when we lost the, the wildflower meadows. Uh, another layer on top of that is the use of pesticides and insecticides. And then on top of that, we have other pathogens that have come in through commercially farmed bumblebees, which are imported into this country to underpin our soft fruit industry. So there's a whole range of reasons why and then on top of all of that, you've got climate change. How is climate change impacting bumblebees? Well, as it warms up, you know, bumblebees, um, have, have globally, bumblebees are at the warmer end of their ranges, the Mediterranean uh, for most European species. And they're beginning to struggle as temperatures rise. This is mainly because of their physiology. So they can't, uh, they generate an awful lot of heat when they're, they're flying, you know, they beat their wings at 200 beats a second. So when the air temperature is too high, they can't dissipate that heat quickly enough. So they overheat and then they stop flying. And obviously food, and we learned last year during the drought, I don't know where you're based, but I'm in the southern England and we had a, a quite a severe drought. And of course, that dominates food availability. Droughted plants don't make much nectar and pollen. How are bumblebees faring globally? Yeah, they are. It is a mixed picture. But as I said earlier, they are at the warmer end of their ranges. Mm. Uh, and that's why the great yellow bumblebee has moved up north into cooler climes. Bumblebees um, uh, evolved in the Himalayas. That's why they have big, thick, furry coats uh, to keep warm. So, but, you know, they've got, they, they are struggling mostly due to this change in our climate of us, us getting warmer. Some conditions, um, you know, if it gets cooler, that will help them, but the warmth does not. The other thing about, you know, globally, we, we are seeing more, uh, a lot more summer storms, more flooding, those things, bumblebees nest underground. If there's flooding, there's a, a greater chance of them, their nests being flooded and, and killed. So it does make a lot more a, a life a lot more difficult for bumblebees globally. Let's move on more towards the work of the Bumblebee Conservation Trust. So one of your most successful projects was the Bees for Everyone project. Could you elaborate a bit on this? That was the very first one. When I joined, I was the project manager for Bees for Everyone. And the, the biggest success, I think, of that project was getting awareness out there, not just to farmers and landowners, but to the general public. 
to say, look, these bees are in trouble. Everybody can do something to help our bumblebees. Um, and Bees for Everyone, that was the project that really started people understanding the difference in our bees, bumblebees, solitary bees and honeybees, and also got them actually taking action. Um, and that might have been simply been growing bee-friendly flowers in their gardens or becoming volunteers. One of the, the, the biggest successes of the, the trust is our bee wolf scheme. You know, every year somebody or lots of people will say to me, Jill, how are the bees doing? Now, without Bee Walk, which is our scientific methodology where uh, we train volunteers to uh, identify bees and they go out once a month during March to October during the flight season, walk a one kilometre, two kilometre route, record the bees they see. We, we developed it on the same methodology as butterfly conservation so that we can use different volunteers using the same methodology. And we started off with about 35 volunteers. We've now got over 700 people monitoring bees across the UK. And we are the only organisation to hold data on bumblebees through that scheme. That's great. And one more project you're running is the Bee the Change project. What is this project about? Yeah, that was... Um, we did some audience insights work a couple of years ago and um, people generally, it's a very big generalisation coming, but people generally love bumblebees. They're, they're, they're a nice insect, but they didn't, they weren't able to help and support us because volunteering can take quite a lot of time and quite a lot of skills. You know, if we take bee walk, for example, you have to be quite skilled in being able to identify bees. So the Be The Change campaign was all about micro actions, giving people the opportunity to help reverse the decline in bumblebees by doing very simple little actions that didn't cost time and didn't cost money. And so we developed that Be The Change campaign to raise awareness amongst ordinary people, anybody. And it was a simple microaction like deadheading plants so that they continue to flower longer or talking to their children about how lovely bumblebees are. So simple microactions. What is your long-term vision for Bumblebee Conservation Trust? To put a bumblebee in everybody's heart. My final question for you today is that what has been your greatest learning from your conservation career? Oh, gosh, that's a that's a good one. And you know what? I think it is collaboration. And that's not just collaborating with our supporters. It's collaborating with other organisations, conservation organisations. We can achieve so much more together than we can individually. And a really good example of that is um, I'm part of a group called Rethink Nature which is the seven UK species charities. And we all have so much in common because we are all working towards the same thing in different ways, but working collaboratively together, we have achieved an amazing amount for our, for our species. So I think that's the one big learning from working in the conservation sector is to collaborate 
And it's not always easy to do because, you know, RSPB will want members. I will want members to support us. So there is there's always going to be a little bit of competition there. But through Rethink Nature, we have found a way of coming together and working much more effectively for our species. And I think that is a big win for everybody. That's great. So that is my final question for today. Thank you so much for your time. And hopefully we can see the bumblebees recover. Thank you so much, Anish, for asking me. I can talk bumblebees for hours, as you probably, I'm very passionate about them. So to have an opportunity to do this has been great. And I'm really grateful. Thank you so much, Raiden.